Welcome to Take Note. This is our podcast about carrying a little stapled together package of paper in our pocket, perhaps a decorative cover on the outside of it, if we're lucky, uh, and writing things down and, and keeping track and talking about those things and sharing them with our friends and with you and, uh, and, and covering other topics that are adjacent, like creativity, uh, stationery, pens, pencils, other notebooks, notebooks we'd like to use, notebooks we have used and we are using. I'm here with Adam. Hello, Adam. Hey, Ted. We are big on adjacent topics here, aren't we? I feel like adjacency is part of our part of our brand. It's a podcast. Podcast. It's a podcast about uh, paying attention and keeping a notebook and adjacency. Uh, is that really we're desperate episode... for adjacency? If if there wasn't adjacency, we would be in trouble. I would be satisfied with adjacency without the things that are adjacent to one another. Just the just the adjacency, right? We're like strip out the the things that are, that are actually proximal to one another. Just keep the middle the middle ground there. What are we going to do with the joists? <laughs> uh, every episode we do uh, ask a question. What do you got? Means what have you written down in your notebook, Adam? What do you got? Okay. Well, I was on a road trip. And I got a, a few short, I got a few strung together, basically. Uh, so spotted this on the back of a truck. Excalibur Refreshment Concepts. Excalibur <laughs> Refreshment Concepts. Uh, in Macomb, Mississippi, on the highway, spotted, off the highway, spotted a store called Friend Girl Things. Big sign. Friend Girl Things. Um, then I've written down hot spring neutral zone. I think that was like a little poetry on my part. I think I was combining two ideas. Either that or I can't read one of the words that I wrote down. Yeah. Um, then I got to where I was going and, uh, had, there's a little family barbecue and, uh, met the boyfriend of a cousin that I have rarely seen. He said, uh, I'm Katie's boyfriend or fiance, whichever. And so I said, well, which is it? He said, well, she hasn't said yes yet. Ooh. <laughs> and the last, uh, last of my little uh, road trip <laughs> notes, walked past John Malkovich and his wife on Magazine Street. I gave him a double take. Kids played it cool, acted like they had no idea who he was. Spent some time thinking about what someone could possibly say to Malkovich in that situation and decided next time I see him, I'm going with the high-risk, high-reward option. Hey, my kids watch Con Air all the time. (laughs) What do you got, Ted? Uh, I feel like uh, celebrities walking down the street, all they're, they're just thinking to themselves, I hope hope someone really takes a big risk on me today. (laughs) I want someone to really swing for the fences. Yeah, famously, that's that's never caused a problem. <laughs> um, okay. So this happened today. It's summer in Houston. I didn't bring an umbrella for the walk to drop the kids off at their various summer camps on this campus where I work. So my fancy French vintage uh, short sleeve button-down shirt was soaked through. Uh, all the way on my way back to the office. The thin white material was <laughs> skin-toned by the time 
I got back into my building. Uh, in the office, uh, I pondered just going completely shirtless while it dried, <laughs> uh, which it makes some sense given there's nobody else in my particular office. But someone could conceivably come in. Then be I be hard to our... explain. Hard to explain. <laughs> Uncomfortable, no matter how explicable it might be. Um, then I remembered our our cabinet, the kind of thing you have in an office uh, that that we've all forgotten about. The the cabinet with all of the stuff and the things in it. <laughs> uh, and I thought, aha, would there be an old T-shirt from some event? You know, someone gives you a t-shirt when you got a volunteer or, or some, you know, branded polo shirt or something. Turns out... Rice Fest there 2008. Were, there were several polo shirts uh, that nobody had claimed. Brand new. I grabbed one. An extra large to boot. Stripped off my soaked uh, button-down shirt. Hung it on the back of my office chair. Threw on this shirt, felt a little snug. Turns out it's the XL in a lady's cut. <laughs> snug, short sleeves, but not as bad a fit as it could be. Don't care, it was dry. Spent the morning in a lady's cut uh, polo shirt. Shared it with my coworkers on our uh, on our our messaging service, and. Uh, I was making a, a slightly odd face, and my boss said, is that your lady face? <laughs> she was right. It was my lady face. Hashtag uh, shop the cabinet. Shop the cabinet. What do you got, Adam? All right. I wrote this down yesterday. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a Monday, and it was a federal holiday. I like that I'm being cagey about um, what day it was. Um, and so we were having a hard time finding a, uh, a, a restaurant that was open for lunch. And I ended up in what turned out to be a very famous po'boy shop in New Orleans, uh, Domelisi's. Malkovich's. Malkovich's po'boys, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like, I, there are two different, two different stores I was in today. I was like, hey, how are you guys? What the hell? What, how's your day been? Oh, good. How about you? Oh, pretty good. I saw Malkovich yesterday. Anyways, um, <laughs> can't stop talking about it. So I'm in Domelisi's <laughs> and I start just uh, jotting down little notes because I'm waiting a long time for the sandwich. And I'm standing by the uh, all the line cooks who are assembling the sandwiches, which they do to a beautiful and precise degree at this place. It was kind of fun that uh, the place that happened to be open was this place that uh it's been around for decades and it's considered like one of the best po'boy places and the lady was recognized by the newspaper it's anyway uh, but, so i start writing down sounds, notes sounds yeah. great uh i write uh, a line cook with pork pie hat and sleeveless dharma initiative shirt dancing while assembling sandwiches <laughs> um one hairnet lady in a in uh, an Abita beer shirt, another hairnet lady in a bird shirt who seems to say you're welcome to everyone who fails to say thank you to her. <laughs> then I wrote, as I'm writing this, the guy standing next to me asks if I'm a food blogger. Uh, to which, because I'm writing in my notebook, so I I said to him like, no no no, I just like 
I don't know. I like noticing things. I just jot down little things that amuse me, you know. But uh, yeah, it'd be a lot less weird if I just wrote it in my phone, I guess. And I said, uh, are, are you a food blogger? And he said, uh, no, I'm just a weed guy from Denver. Uh, <laughs> and then we ended up talking about uh, how in Colorado they don't have, they don't allow advertisements for cannabis where they do everywhere else. And then I started talking about pharmaceutical commercials, but I was able to resist mentioning Nouveau Terran. <laughs> so not only did you not mention Nouveau Terran, you didn't reply and say, no, no, not a food blogger friend. Even better. I'll one-up you. I'm a stationary blogger. <laughs> I didn't, actually, right? I, I didn't even think. It's just that, what are you, a food blogger? Which I don't think he said with the derision that I heard, but yeah. Well, uh, blogging uh, is a digital medium. Why, why would he think they're writing something? I, I, the, the larger theme, I think, is what do people think when they see other people writing things down in a notebook? And this this occurs to me on occasion. Uh, and actually, we had a we had a good little joking back and forth recently. But uh, I, I believe we mined the the possibilities of, uh, you know, every time you turn to write something down in your book, you, you mutter to yourself, oh, oh, that's rich. <laughs> uh, but uh, I feel like people, uh, people's minds start racing when they see you scribbling things down. Maybe, maybe it's detective movies or something. Yeah, it, I, it makes people nervous. But you know what, it did make me think. It, uh... I always should carry an extra notebook with me, although it would be it would end up being sweaty in my pocket here in New Orleans. So I could just say, <laughs> oh, I really like writing things down in notebooks. Here, I got an extra one. You can have one. That'd be a much better way to, I don't know, I at like least that. I wonder what the reaction would be. I suppose some people would um, strongly resist taking it as though I was going to then ask them to pay for it. Um, or to, to consider uh, Jehovah as their, right. their Lord and Savior. Right. Perhaps. Here's... Here's, it's blank. I swear to God, it's blank. It's here's totally a blank. here's a blank notebook for you. Um, also, I have a chant for you that uh, works really well for me. What do you got? Uh, all right, this uh, this is a phrase that I wrote wrote wrote. I say wrote because I consciously was writing something within a dream, and uh, woke up. I guess shortly after I dreamt it and was able to write it down in my phone shortly after waking so that it was not lost forever. But this is what I wrote in my dream. Like somehow I was had decided to write something and it was kind of like a creative exercise or something where it was like, you know, start with a word and free associate. Or, which actually, side note, Josh Gondelman's podcast, which I... I'm not going to be able to remember the actual title of, but I'll, I'll link Gondel to cast. it. <laughs> Probably, I hope so. Uh, it, it It's really fantastic, and I suggest anybody take a listen. It's it's 30 minutes, which I think is a, a lovely uh, uh, time frame to shoot for in a podcast. Only the and best he, podcasts. He, <laughs> he has these uh, fascinating creative prompts. He's just a very good conversationalist and and question asker so you know he he kind of has these conceits for um 
like one of the episodes is we're going to write a poem together but he he instead of actually writing a whole poem he's he just asks his guests like what would be the kind of poem you would want to write and it like leads to this fun sort of you know interesting conversation so i i have a feeling that these prompts were bouncing in my head as i was dreaming um but i this is the phrase that i wrote to a prompt in my dream and then woke up and wrote down learn by hugging the impression you make on others and they on you wow it was weird to dream a, a cohesive sentence because everything well, in, i think your definition of cohesive well it's got a it it is words it's like i will say every dream i've ever had before this one Involve, that's that a fantastic re- that's just on its own that's a fantastic thing to say every dream i've had before this one but they whenever there are words involved i have i've like tried to read them and they're unintelligible so i'm very used to the idea of in a dream never really being able to actually read anything mm-hmm. or write anything so to have had that happen into a and be a phrase was very unusual Learn by hugging. Say the rest of it. Learn by hugging the impression you make on others and they on you. Uh, you should uh, sell that chant to some people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe throw a notebook. I, I think I just did, Adam. Uh, so we got an email from a listener. Thank you, Chris, for shooting us a note. Anybody can uh, jump on takenote.space and, and find the say hi button and send us a a message, but Chris uh, commented on the commonplace book idea that we covered uh, in the last episode. Uh, he says, once the convo turned to commonplace books, got really excited because my commonplace book has always been one of my favorite personal projects. I started keeping mine in 2014, used it for notes, quotes. At the time, it just seemed like a worthwhile activity once I got to college. However, I read biographies of John Marshall don't know who that is, and Cotton Mather, old Puritan dude, and realized that what I had been doing closely approximated the commonplace books uh, they were described as maintaining. Marshall, Mather, and others, of course, kept commonplace books due to the fact that the books they studied in school wouldn't always be readily accessible. I've always been so interested by the idea that a note-taking practice born out of this need has survived in some form today really love the show hope you're both well hope you're well too chris thanks for writing that email that is a totally fascinating uh side note to the commonplace book idea that that it would be born out of necessity uh because you wouldn't because uh they did gutenberg four copies of some book and you needed to uh keep your own version in order to even have some uh, some access to it at all. So a really interesting angle. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that component of it. You know, I think today we think of anything published as being available forever. But yep. that's really not true. And even, just, if, even if you just go back like probably two decades, there's plenty of stuff being published that is not available I, I think of, I'm reading the Tom Sharpling memoir, um, It Never Ends, and he references his zine that he had, 18 Wheeler. And like, you know, maybe 
one person has those zines and scan them. Um, and so maybe they're available <coughs> if you find the right person to ask or something like that. But beyond that, you know, even, um, I mean, just in the same, like magazines that are 20 years old, the, like the, the big names are big magazines are like, um, making their archives available digitally. And, um, but the, but the others aren't, there's plenty that's not available and there's plenty that's easily available now that won't be available in the future because so many digital archives kind of come and go. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's, you know, maybe there's a blog you could read now or something like that's something you return to time and again, but if you don't write it down or print it out or something, there's really no guarantee that that's going to be something you can find again and refer to in the future. Well, yeah, I think about, you know, even my, I back up all of my files on a cloud-based service, you know, that service uh, goes belly up. I'm looking at you, Google, keep things solvent. Um, or, you know, they just change their terms of service. Right. Then I'm, then right. I'm up a Creek and no, it's, 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 uh, it's so true. I mean, I, I think I've mentioned it before, but I've even taken to like buying, you know, DVDs of movies I really like, um, at the thrift store for two bucks because, you know, owning a physical copy has a diff- much different meaning than, than owning a cloud-based version of the exact same thing. Um, Adjacent question here. Um, do, do you keep getting warnings from Google to uh, buy more storage because you've used up too much Gmail space? No, I, I, I kind of jacked it up above what my Gmail space uh, was. So you've already paid. I have. Oh, yeah. I'm a paying. I'm a paying customer. I just remember. I I I think I sent this out on Twitter to uh, to no response. Uh, I remember when Gmail started and it was archive, don't delete, and now it's uh, upgrade your storage, two dollars a month. Well, they 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 suckered me in, uh, but I live in fear because <laughs> now all of my stuff. <laughs> Is uh is in their little cardboard box in the in the back of the Google, the Google libraries uh, in Topeka. Right. Whereas um, if we had written all those things down in our commonplace book, all of those emails, that's what we should do. We should go through all of our old emails and copy them into a commonplace book. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, use use uh, ergonomically uh, friendly uh, handwriting methods. <laughs> UCLA ergonomics. Whatever that is, I I hope it's legit, uh, and that the University of California at Los Angeles uh, is actually affiliated, and it doesn't stand for the uh, United Cabinet Makers of Louisiana. Anyhow, handwriting for healthy hands. Uh, I, I I I earnestly Googled how to hand how to write good without hurting <laughs> myself, and this is what I came up with. Uh, a shocking second bullet point. Keep your elbow positioned in an open angle, 90 degrees or more. Wrist and hand strain increases the more your elbow bends. Now, I immediately tried this, and my paper was all of a sudden three feet away from my eyeballs, which I found to be uh, quite a curious predicament, and one that I was not particularly accustomed to. But now it's going to bother me every time I... uh, Got my elbow bent in a less than 90 degrees. Um, reduce finger motions. Use your wrist and forearm to move the pen or pencil. Uh, if writing hurts your thumb, 
Try holding the pen in the webbed space between your index and middle fingers. Don't know really what any of that means, but web space kind of got I like that. There. Yeah. I... Uh, handwrite rather than print. Large cursive style writing causes less strain than printing small letters. Select large diameter pens and pencils or use rubber grips. I'm looking at you, pilot's doctor grip. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, UCLA weighing in right at a reasonable pace with frequent breaks. You hear that, Nathaniel Hawthorne? <laughs> you got that, you got that, Proust? Take a break every now and again. I think it's uh, great that uh, 120 some odd episodes in, we finally provided some practical advice for keeping a notebook. <laughs> oh, man. You provided um, me with some practical advice for keeping a notebook couple episodes ago you told me to write the story that i was working on at the beginning of the notebook and my notes and everything to work backwards and so i've been doing that i kind of love it kind of makes me feel like a crazy person because (laughs) i number my notes too so if i go past a page then the previous page has a a higher number than the page Mm. before it uh, but I but I like it too. It actually it it makes it all seem a little less uh, important or whatever. You know, I'm, it's yeah. easier to just write a note. It feels more like just taking some notes than writing a journal. So I like that. I am uh, more than more than halfway through the back. So more than twenty four pages through the back, and only uh, eight eight or so pages through this cherished story. That I didn't want to, uh, <laughs> that I didn't want to screw up the flow of, uh, but that's so typical. You've, you've just gone full British. You're just driving on the left side of the road over yep, there. Yep, that's that is the perfect example for <laughs> uh, f- writing a book backwards. Full British. <laughs> yep, there is no better, but no better example. Um, yeah. I am yeah, using cl- clearly, sir. I am not a food blogger. <laughs> uh, I am writing in my notebook in the opposite direction. I am. I'm writing. A, I'm writing a manga script, and uh, to keep it authentic, I'm doing it backwards. Um, I uh, I'm using the Field Notes Fifty, and we'll give you a little update on that. I um, I don't want to talk out of turn, but I know Ryan. Uh, Number one fan of the show and occasional co-host, Ryan Sly, at the Fancy Chimpanzee. Um, he's having the same issue with his Field Notes 50, which is that the cover did not last. Because of the flyleaf, I guess, I don't know, our covers have kind of popped on and need to be taped off. But, but... At the, they, at the staple, are you talking about? Here? Yeah, at the staple. So my, yeah. at this point, my cover is completely loose, even with the tape. The cover is like a like a purchased leather cover, except it's made of paper, which my notebook can come in and out of at this point. Um, but the flyleaf, the flyleaf is doing some uh, protective work on its own. The pl- flyleaf is still intact. So in some ways I have a blue notebook with the number 50 on it, which kind of looks cool. And then I've also okay. got this little red adjacent, <laughs> adjacent, this, <laughs> this red <laughs> cover adjacent to my flyleaf. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's the that's the state of that. It's nice and beat up, and uh, I'm looking to uh, looking to fill it up soon. And move on to the next one before I lose the cover entirely. Uh, well, I wanted to give a brief appreciation of the uh, 
the Papermate Flare Medium Tip uh, Blue Felt Tip Pen. I've been using one for the last few days. You know, it is what it is. It's probably not helping the ergonomic state of my elbow, uh, given the, the little, it's not exactly the flowiest writing device, but the blue on this thing is is brilliant and deep and and uh, fantastic. And I think it's easy to forget that, but really great color out of the Papermate flare. I know it's a, it's a favorite. Everybody loves these things. Yeah, Lindenberry uh, is the, the first person that I saw strongly recommend them. She's got... Um, two books on kind of uh, being creative and keeping like a comics journal. I'm blanking on the two names. And we talked about both of them before on the show and uh, she, uh, her students have to use those, those pens. Well, they, they do something, they're, they're tapped into the brain somehow. You, you crave wanting to use one. Uh, and I, I'm in the midst of that right now. And my, you know, my, my nicer fountain pens are, uh, are going ignored in favor of this thing. Uh, it's it's good in a field notes too. They're not the medium is not. It's just right on the edge. It's heavy, but it's not egregiously uh, yep. uh, thick. It doesn't bleed too much. This is the uh, like the navy blue. The two books where she recommends them are uh, Syllabus and Making Comics. Both cool books. Good deal. I just finished My Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferrante. Oh. Yeah, that's fantastic. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Find it I find it very creatively inspiring. Oh great. And in, in what way? I I like how uh I like how it moves about in time and treats storytelling on a larger scope. Um I just liked I liked the scope of the book. It you know it it it's neither it's not an excruciatingly short episode, um, nor is it sort of uh, you know thirty years. It's it's I, I really liked how it moved in time, uh, and I enjoyed the amount of characterization that the narrator takes part in. You know the sort of it's just sort of um, overactive analytical mind trying to understand the relationships with the people around her trying to understand why they behave the way they do you know i i i she you know for the first time i truly felt that uh that uh, you know my friendship was reliant upon her you know etc i just really liked the way she hit that tone and i you know i even thought to myself like some of the creative stuff i've thought about for years but never quite uh unlocked I almost it's I, I I started a new draft of like this the same story I've always thought about but never written. But I called it my brilliant friend. And huh. it, I, I'm almost I'm just gonna kind of start framing it in a similar way and as a as a means to get going and to kind of think about scale and scope and a little bit of voice and and she her voice is very straightforward too. There's, there's no sort of MFA in writing tricks in there yeah um, none of the kind of language that you become accustomed to seeing it's very goes right at it and i love that too but then there's then there are i mean i i agree and then there are those somewhat magical seeming things like is it the is it like a pot or a cup that gets really yeah. hot um so she does Just yeah it's very spon straightforward spontaneously 
combusts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's straightforward, but then there's some magic in it. So, uh, you know, I read each of those books about one year apart. I really loved them, but there was just, like, you know, I wanted to, like, space them out, I guess, without even yeah. putting that much thought into them. And Jennifer, yeah. um, when she, she read all four books in the course of, I think, two weeks, maybe three weeks... I could can not see that put too. them down. I could can not see that too. do anything else almost. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so which feel which, do you, which way do you think you're going? Well, I I almost I said to myself I'm going to read another book in between before I before I jump back in. Um, so I, there it will be at least another book. You know, I wanted to deliberately mix in more voices. I didn't. I wasn't totally ready. To have that be the only voice in my head for... Uh, I, I can't read four books in two weeks or three, even three weeks. So for me, it's a longer-term investment. But um, but uh, I, I wanted to g- give it a little room to breathe. But I can absolutely see how how how, to, how you could be sucked in and want to just keep... I mean, the even the idea as I finished the first one, it's like, ah, there's three more of these things. This That's great. It's great, yeah. It's a good feeling. Yeah. Uh, they do not let up. You know, they, uh, mm. there becomes, there's, I feel like there's a little bit more like Italian politics that seep into it, but she kind of earns it. So it would be like a little tough to read that before you're really caught up in all of it or to be, mm-hmm. to embrace all that before you're really caught up. But she, so whenever she does things that might be a little on the more difficult side, she's already kind of earned it. So you're like yeah. into it and you'll, you, you understand the mind of, uh, Linu or Lena. It's amazing that she also they have the same name practically, and that still works for the book. But uh, you you understand their mind, and so you're looking at this. You're looking at Italian politics through their mind, and that kind of helps yeah. too. You know, it, it helps make it a little more accessible. Oh, I'm I'm excited that you're reading them. Yeah, it's, I, it's it's <laughs> you know I I brought it up with a few people, um, two separate people. Uh, my mother and then a, a colleague at work both said, oh, God, I tried to read that. I couldn't stand it. Oh, really? Wow. Which, which is fascinating. You know, one one person reacts that way, okay. But two people, both of whom are, are you know, my brilliant friends and family members, <laughs> uh, very well-read people, uh, they both had this same kind of repulsive response to it. And both of them purchased all three books or all four books or whatever it is, before before realizing they would hate it and so they it's a brilliant uh brilliant move tip of the cap to you publishers for convincing people to buy multiple books before they even knew they would like one of them horrible covers to those amazing books too very strange horrible horrible covers like really poorly photoshopped even like is that person standing on a coral reef in a wedding dress and why and also why don't they have a shadow Right. I think, I don't know. I think Elena Ferrante had some control over those covers, but I could be misremembering something. I yeah. I haven't. I've done very little delving uh, into the mysterious life of Miss Ferrante. Well, I am. I'm excited to read your novelization of my life, my brilliant <laughs> friend. That sounds great. Um, I know you've been working <laughs> on it a while, and uh, I think all of our listeners will enjoy reading it too. But uh, let's do this again next week, Adam. What do you say? Sounds good, buddy. Hey, enjoy the good life down there in New Orleans. I I will try and um, 
I will say hello to Johnny for you when I see him. You can find us on the internet at takenote.space. You can find us on uh, Twitter, which is also on the internet, at uh, twitter.com slash takenotepod. Take care.